Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the message and share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. Good morning and welcome to Restoration Life Online. If you're visiting us for the very first time, my name's Eddie Vargas. I'm the lead pastor of this amazing church. You know, last week we had a tremendous time with Pastor Max. The week before that, we celebrated Resurrection Sunday. But God has put on my heart to continue talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and all the miracles that took place on Good Friday, on Saturday, on Sunday, and what we get to experience as the church from there on out. Today, I'd like to kick off a new series that I've entitled Passion Stories. There's so many things that we could learn from what took place over 2,000 years ago in the resurrection story of Jesus Christ. So today, I want to look at something that happened on Good Friday that, that carries so much significance, so much weight, so much joy for the Christian, for the believer, that, that, that we need to study this out so that we can hear it, um, we can deposit it into our spirit, and we can make sure that we're living the kind of life that God granted us through the blood sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. So let's start reading with Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. Now mind you, I'm taking you back to Good Friday. This is what the Bible reads. It says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which literally means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah, verse 48. And immediately one of them ran and got a sponge and he filled it with wine vinegar and put it on a staff and he offered it to Jesus for a drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. This is the very moment in scripture that the Bible declares that our savior gave his life. He gave up his spirit. So that, so that you and I can be restored into a right relationship with the Father. But listen to what the scripture says next in verse 51. At that moment, at what moment? At the moment that Jesus gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rock split and all of, 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 of Heaven declared that Christ gave his life by what took place on, on our very own planet. I think about this story and I think about everything that we read in this story and how powerful it is for you and I as believers. Everything about the Jewish temple back then seemed to be exclusive. In fact, there were outside courts and there were inner courts. And on the outside courts is where they had a section specifically for women, and beyond that, another section for all the non-Jews, which the Bible declares as Gentiles. There was a brazen altar um, on which the sacrifices were made, and inside the temple of God, there were two main rooms. 
that was the sanctuary or the place of holiness. And then beyond that, there was a veil or a curtain. And beyond that veil, beyond that curtain, was another place that the Bible describes as the Holy of Holies. Now, this is where the Ark of the Covenant laid, where the Ten Commandments were kept and the rod of Aaron and, and manna and the things that to remind us of God's word and God's laws from the Old Testament. But in this portion of scripture, you and I can read that on that day, on that Friday, when Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We read and understand that as he gave up his spirit, that the temple veil or the curtain was rent or it was torn from top to bottom. And again, this is miraculous. And it carries so much significance for you and I as the believers. You know, when it comes to the temple, it wasn't a place that you can go fellowship and have potlucks at. It wasn't a place where you can throw kickbacks or, or hangouts. The temple was a place where you had to come and do God's business and go. If you read Leviticus 16, you can find the details spelled out. Here's the condensed version of it. Only one man could enter in the most holy place or the holy of holies. And he could only enter on the day of atonement once a, year, once a year. Not only that, but he had to have special garments. He had to have with him um, blood uh, of a goat to sprinkle on the mercy seat, which covered the Ark of the Covenant. Um, uh, if anyone else entered the, uh, besides the high priest, they would be struck dead. I mean, think about that for just a second. They would be literally struck dead. If, if the high priest entered on any other day than the day of atonement, he would be struck dead. If the high priest came without the blood of a goat, he would be struck down. In fact, they would tie a rope around the high priest in the temple with a little bell on it, just in case he went in unprepared to be in the very presence of God. And when that took place, if he was wrong with God, if he wasn't right with God, he would be struck dead in the very presence of God and nobody would want to go in there. They would literally walk or, or, or pull on that rope to get him out of the most holy of holy places because nobody wanted to venture in because nobody wanted to die. So what's the point of all this? The point of all of this is that this whole system seemed to scream, access denied, warning, do not come near, stay away. Why? Because based on what we understand about ourselves and what we know about our holy God is that this access was denied because of the unrighteousness of mankind. There was no way that you and I could ever into the presence of God on our own merit. And so God allowed it once a year with very specific instructions, with the blood of a goat. We understand that the Bible says that the wages of sin are death and the gift of God is eternal life. And so something had to die on behalf of our sin. This is where the blood of the goat comes in. And so the high priest would come into the Holy of Holies behind the curtain and when he would do that, he would take the blood, he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat, which was the lid of the Ark of the Covenant to make atonement for the sins of the children of Israel. Why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you all this because based on what scripture teaches us, access denied 
was because we were not qualified. Access was denied because we are not qualified to enter into God's holy presence on our own merit. It was as if the curtain in the temple were this giant barrier making sure that no one can come into God's presence uninvited. The Jews, if the Jews were tempted for whatever reason to go take a peek beyond that veil, God had ordained and ordered that a cherubim would be placed on that veil or on the curtain as a reminder or a warning that they were not allowed to come in. In fact, when you look at the curtain that was hung in this holy place, it was almost four inches thick. It was made out of three different colors, uh, scarlet, which is also known as crimson, um, and blue, and purple. And Jewish scholars actually believe that every color had a very specific significance. Purple was the color of royalty and protection. Blue represented the heavens. And, and, and scarlet or crimson actually represented sacrifice and forgiveness and new life. And so these were the things that were on the curtain. These were the things that were there to remind everyone, specifically the high priest, that you are not allowed into the presence of God without permission. Because if you were to walk in on your own merit, you would be struck down and you would die. In fact, the cherubim that God places on the curtain reminds us of the cherubim that he placed in front of the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve fell. Do you remember in Genesis 3.24, the Bible says, and he drove out the man. And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim with a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. And so the presence of the cherubim on this veil seemed to serve as a warning to all those who entered the tabernacle that they could only come this far and no further. This was a barrier, a barrier that kept man out of the presence of God, a barrier that kept us from having full access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It was a constant reminder that open access to God was forbidden. Exodus chapter 26, 31 describes this veil very specifically it says a curtain of blue purple and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen with a cherubim worked into it by skilled craftsmen when jesus died on good friday it has been recorded that the veil is about 60 feet high and 30 feet wide and it was said to have been again four inches thick and it was so heavy that the that the roman historian josephus said that it took almost 300 men to move this curtain, to move this veil. He also says that two teams of oxen would not have been able to tear apart this oxen or th this veil apart. And so this barrier that was, that was ordained by God, was put together by man, would never allow anyone full access to the very presence of God. That's why Matthew tells us that the curtain was torn from top to bottom, signifying that God had done what only God could do. And in verse 50, let me go back to the scripture. It says, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. 
and the earth shook and the rocks split. So once again, why is this so significant for you and I today? What is it about the veil being torn in two that makes this so significant to you and I as followers of Jesus Christ? Let me remind you, the veil represented a barrier that denied you and I all access. The, 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 the curtain represented a barrier that was only um, uh, allowed for a high priest with uh, very specific directions on a very specific day, once a year on the Day of Atonement. And on the day that Jesus dies and he gives up his spirit, the Bible declares that this curtain was ripped from top to bottom. Why is this so significant to you and I? Um, my answer will come in three points that should encourage all of us today um, for the and even for the rest of our lives. Number one, a torn veil represents access granted. That's the first thing that I want you to learn. A torn veil represents access granted. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 20, the writer of Hebrews reminds us when it says, we have confidence, confidence. We have, you have, the, 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 the followers of Jesus Christ have. We all have access and, and confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. So I want you to think about this with me for just a second. The curtain that was represented by a, a, a cherubim, a, a warring angel um, to warn man, to protect man from being destroyed by the holiness of God. The, the colors that represent royalty and heaven and sacrifice were being torn in two so that you and I can have full access to the very presence of God. And the writer of Hebrews declares that Jesus, the Jesus um, Christ, our Lord and Savior, that he is the veil, that he was the curtain, that is his body. It was torn. It was ripped apart so that you and I can be granted access to the very presence of God. You know, when it says we have, it speaks of privilege. And privilege speaks of an advantage held by one person or a people group. It's an opportunity to do or to experience something very unique, very dynamic, and very special. I want you to think about this with me for just a moment. You and I have been given access. You and I have an advantage. You and I have a privilege. We've been granted access to the very presence of God. Not just one day, not just on the day of, of atonement, not, not because we're righteous, but we've, be, we've been made the righteousness uh, 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 of God through Christ the Son. And so by the blood of Jesus, We've been given an opportunity that's both enjoyable and liberating. Remember what we learned earlier, that no granted, no access was granted except on the Day of Atonement. But what exactly is atonement? Well, atonement, simply put, is reconciliation. And biblical reconciliation involves a change in the relationship between God and man 
or man and man. It assumes that there has been a breakdown in the relationship because of a wrong, because of an error that had been committed. But now, because of Jesus and what he did on Good Friday, there has been a change from a state of enmity and fragmentation to one of harmony and fellowship. Let me read to you what Paul the Apostle writes to the church in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 through 21. He says, and all of this is from God. It's not from us, it's from God, who reconciled us back to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Man, I love this. Verse 19 says that God was reconciling the world to himself, that God was reconciling uh, 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 the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he was committed to us, and he has committed to us the messenger or the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So more specifically, atonement is a reference to the sacrifice Jesus made by willingly laying his life down. He laid down his life in order to reconcile all who would believe in him and repent of their sin and give their lives to Jesus Christ as Savior. Paul writes to the church in Rome in Romans 5, 6 to 11. He says, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him uh, from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. I love the way Wayne Grudem summarizes this when he says the atonement is the work of Christ the work that Christ did in his life and death and the work Christ did in his life and death to earn our salvation Mark chapter 10 verse 45 says for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many here's the miracle of the of the veil being torn in two. Now, for the very first time since this was ordained, you and I as believers in Jesus have been granted full access by the very power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus grants us access through his atoning sacrifice. First Peter chapter 2 verse 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live in righteousness. By his wounds, you and I have been healed. Hebrews 9 12 says this, He entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal Redemption. Revelations 5 and 9 says it this way. 
and they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain by your blood, and you ransomed your people for God from every tribe and every language and people and nation. Here's my point. You and I have been given, have been given a great privilege as Christians. You and I have been given a great privilege as believers that you and I have full access to the very presence of God. And we know wherever the presence of God is, wherever his spirit is, there is freedom, there is liberty, there is restoration, there is power, there is encouragement. And I just wanna encourage somebody today that right now in your home, in your living room, in your bedroom, in your car, wherever you may be, you can, you can have full access to the very presence of God as you, as you and I come before him in worship and in adoration and in prayer. We know that he never leaves us or forsakes us so that we can have full access to him every single day of our Christian life. I don't know about you, but that gives me great joy, knowing that wherever I'm at and whatever I'm going through and whatever I'm struggling with and whatever I'm battling through, that God has given me full access to his very presence. And because I have full access to his very presence, I can be in the presence of Almighty God where there is freedom. He can free me from my anxiety. He can free me from my depression. He can free me from my brokenness. He can heal me and restore me from all the things that have happened in the past. He, can, he has created a new life for me, a life more abundant. And I get to experience that now, not because I'm worthy of it, but because of Christ on the cross on Good Friday, where he gave up his spirit. The, 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 the curtain was torn from, from heaven to earth so that you and I could be granted full access to the very creator of our lives. I've often wondered what it would be like to gain an audience with the president or maybe even the Queen of England to enter the fabled hall of the White House or Buckingham Palace to be escorted um, through this home with royal guards or the Secret Service to sit in the inner chamber and to be greeted by the, the Queen or the Oval Office by the President to have them say, what can I do for you? Could you imagine that with me for just a moment? And to know that they actually have the power, they have the authority to grant my request. You know, meeting these leaders would be a great privilege for me, but it's not likely to happen. I know that the queen is a very important person and, and I live on, uh, in the colonies on the other side of the pond. But even as an American citizen, I doubt that I'll ever meet the president face to face. That privilege of open access to them does not belong to me. But in the eyes of God, I have access through the blood of Jesus to enter into the most holy of holy places, his presence, not on my own merit, but because of the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ on my life. In the eyes of God, I have access to him because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on my behalf. That's why Hebrews 10 says, for we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, 
by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. Listen, we can go directly to God anytime. We can go to directly to God when, when we're going through things. We can go directly to God when we're having a great day. We can go directly to God when we need uh, uh, to, to spend time in his presence. We can go directly to God when we need to hear from, from his Holy Spirit. We can go directly to God when we're in need of anything. The Bible even says, if you need anything, ask. You have not because you ask not. Why does it say that? Because you and I have a privilege. We've been given access to God. We've been given access to God and we need to take advantage of that access that has been granted to us through the blood of Jesus. I have access to the presence of God. I have access to the love of God. I have access to the power of God. I have access to the spirit of God. I have access to the freedom that God makes available. And I'm here to tell you this morning, whoever you are, wherever you are, that God loved you so much that when he gave up his spirit, he tore that veil in two so that you can have access to the Father through Christ the Son. You and I are members of God's holy family. I'm a citizen of heaven that gives me standing, that gives me an advantage, that gives me entrance and a privilege. You know, I think about my kids. I think about my kids, my son and my daughter, my grandchildren. I love them so much. And there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing that I wouldn't do to them. Um, or, I'm sorry, there's absolutely nothing that I wouldn't do for them. <laughs> there's nothing I would do for them. Um, if they come to me and they ask of me anything that is in my will to give them, um, I, they have full access to me because I'm their dad. I love them. They can call me. They could text me. Um, they could FaceTime me. They can just show up at the house. They don't even have to knock when they come in. They could just show up. Why? Because they have full access to me. I'm their father. I love them. And I know that, that, that our Heavenly Father loves us. I want to I close this morning with this portion of Scripture because I think so, so too many times believers take this access for granted instead of understanding that access has been granted. They take this access for granted. And I don't know about you, but um, I love the fact, I love the truth that I have full access to the Father through Christ the Son. And I know that the Holy Spirit is constantly speaking to me about the Father and His will for my life and the will for the life of those um, that represent the body of Christ here at Restoration Life. Hebrews 4.14 says this, as I close, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So because of Jesus, you and I have access to the very presence of God to ask him for grace and mercy in our time of need. I wonder if there's anybody out there that's in need of God's grace right now. I wonder if there's anybody out there that's in need of God's mercy right now. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, 
I want you to know that you've got access to the Father because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary.